Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis and on this episode I'm joined by a real innovator in the modern poetry scene. British Argentinian poet Miguel Cullen's poetry combines wordplay, cultural references, personal reflections and even different languages in multifaceted and highly original poems. His latest multimedia publication, Hologram, is a guest list of celebrities including Matt Damon, Frida Kahlo, Maradona and Donald Trump, all captured in his unique style. Stragglers also step into the spotlight in the second half of the collection. Here's Miguel to share his work and discuss his style, starting with his poem, Matt Damon. This is my poem, Matt Damon. Fuck that Sarah Silverman song. That was a double bluff. I'm jumping up off my back like Bruce Lee. Hiya. My toothy grin is all a ruse. You look one way and toodaloo. I'm having a hoot calibrating the crew and a, a carafe or a piche. Chinon with a filet mignon. Yum, yum. Over dinner, let's talk politics. I don't speak, there's nothing to say. I don't vote so the press can't look up my address. What can I say, that I only go out at night in dark glasses? I'm thinking of things that have passed. Tai Chi, the bongos, porn lines. I will also subside, forever that feline teen ridiculing psychotherapists in Goodwill Hunting the discrepancies of a man of letters, the ounce of Shakespeare in that title, Ivy Leaguer, freighted with the status of an outlier, no matter how high I rise. I sing the old rave anthem, sweet harmony, voice breaking at the diminuendos. I tie my t-shirt in tight, knots at the navel, and do skipping rope legs moves my back straight, my arms draped over a sideways pole. Fred Astaire, Habibi. Reconfiguring, I start to think of the things I like. A taxi that offers to take the classical routes through the city. The Thames, Bloomsbury, Hecking Leicester Square. No ways, Jose. I don't give diddly squat if it's pedestrianised. I'm reading an interview with Simon and Garfunkel in an old magazine, The Making of the Boxer. I walk off wondering if Stallone got his name from Sly and the Family Stone. I pour over my stop or my mum will shoot cassette soundtrack sleeve for old boogie references. Yes, that was um, a poem from your new collection, Hologram. Um, why did you choose uh, to read this poem initially? I just thought in terms of the theme of the, the first section of my collection, which is called Guest List, the first section, and uh, I thought just because Matt Damon, I thought as a poem is really nice because it's a kind of like, I don't know, I, I think it's it's quite funny, but... Well, he's kind of like a variety of different characters in my head. And um, I feel that it's it's one of the ones where the humour is quite funny. And it's also sort of a bit sinister. It's a little bit sinister and it's a little bit sort of sleazy. 
And um, but all while Matt has this, Matt Damon has this kind of wholesome persona, which is like really genuine. He's got this smile, which is just so sort of, it's just so big. It's such a good smile. And he, it's just quite funny that he might have some kind of nasty kind of, and also, and also not nasty, but, you know, just sort of the general kind of feeling of uh, people like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Matt Damon, who are just sort of, they're men of leisure to a certain extent. They can afford to do what they want. And also some just sort of let their big kind of sort of egos just sort of be be comfortable, which I find quite funny because, you know, it's, it's quite amusing when you see sort of someone who's just trying to kind of just sort of be themselves and who they are. But in terms linguistically and things like that, I don't know, because obviously Matt Damon's like a man of letters as well. He's written Good Will Hunting. Um, he wrote the screenplay. So I quite like that vibe of him being kind of a bit literary almost as well in some moments. But that's the reason I chose it is, I suppose, because because it's a bit more complex than some of the other ones, which are sort of shorter. And, and, and this one's just sort of, you know, Matt Damon, I've always loved him as an actor as well. So, you know, in Good Will Hunting and The Talented Mr. Ripley and stuff like that, there's a sense of like in The Talented Mr. Ripley of, he does do impressions of people, so there's that kind of creepiness that we that is present in th- in those things. Yes, yeah, certainly a complex poem with a lot of elements. Uh, some more recognisably linked to Matt Damon than others. Um, how do you put all the, the bits together to to make a poem like this? Right. Well, I think that in terms of the poem, the second verse, which is says. There's a lot of ooze and my toothy grin is all a ruse. You look at one way and toodaloo. I'm having a hoot calibrating the crew, a carafe or a piche. Filo mino, yum, yum. I suppose, like, I, in terms of your question, I think, just to ignore what I just said, but I think it's a case of, I don't know, you get into a bit of a kind of purple streak and then you can sort of, like, you start sort of taking everyone on. So you sort of, go from the slightly sleazy, that one, and then you go to the more himbo, kind of like male bimbo sort of personality, which he is when he's talking about his this or that, you know, sort of he talks about his body a bit and he talks about porn lines and stuff, sexuality or his sort of sex drive. So you go from that, you go from the sleazy to the sex drive and then to the kind of gay ambiguity or... And then you go to the boredom and the kind of fear of death. And I think you can take bits out of your own person and just sort of put them in. But also you st- when, you're, when you start kind of doing impressions or sort of mimicking things, a bit like the talent of Mr. Ripley, you know, you go from one to the other when you're in the zone. But it's also the same person. So you always have that sort of anchor that weighs you down. You're not just sort of randomly doing impressions that don't amount to anything and that's what I quite like because before I used to sometimes do impressions and voices and stuff but there was no work in it you know and now I've got this book which is quite a lot of those and I managed to do something which is kind of I reckon kind of I'm 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 good at and sometimes I feel that that's the thing I'm best at doing funny impressions and stuff whereas before I just do them with my family and stuff and uh, all your poems um, 
they bring together a lot of different uh, elements. Where does that style come from? Well, basically, when back in 2012, I sort of untapped uh, a certain kind of way of thinking, which was the sort of best I described it at the time as sort of mindfulness thinking. So I sort of started thinking, instead of just thinking in a one-track mind, I started kind of, um, I think it's because I was taking a certain medication and I and I changed it. But basically, I started thinking in a kind of holistic way. So instead of thinking straight, I think kind of like going out and about. It's difficult to say, but I definitely have a kind of outward mind and not a linear mind. So I suppose that means that you can kind of juggle quite well. Not well, but you means you can juggle. Sometimes if your mind isn't very clear, it's not very... It's, they can be a bit scattergun, but sometimes it can be kind of linked into one thing. You know, you can sort of link it in a kind of co- cogent way. Yeah, that's uh, certainly a unique style. And how long does it take you to write a poem like this? Not very long, actually. Like, I think the last bit was like a few days later or a day, day or two later. But yeah, basically the first draft would come maybe in about three hours and then you can kind of work on it, um, add little bits and, you know, rewrite. Yeah, probably about two or three hours. I remember, I think I was in a cafe near my daughter's nursery in, in, uh, in you know, just off the Harrow Road. And I was just sort of waiting. I was just sort of, I used to go to this cafe after I dropped her off from the nursery and I would just do it there. Uh, so how do you know when a poem is finished well they say i think it's verlaine says or is it that a poem is never finished it's abandoned and i tend to find it quite sad actually because i've got this new sort of thing that i do which is i have a newsletter and i send it to the newsletter but i always send it too quickly and then i have loads of adjustments and I honestly feel that it's quite difficult to finish my poems. I used to think it would take, it would be less long. Now, I used to finish a poem and have like quite a good sort of ending, but that sort of finished, that ended a while ago. And now I just sort of, you know, I used to end with a kind of flourish and that would be it. And I wouldn't worry about it unnecessarily. And then now I just sort of, they kind of, I tend to not know when to finish them. Or I tend to kind of, sort of like you know want to end and then I sort of write more and that damages the whole body of the 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 whole work because I sort of I start writing more and it sort of infects the whole process because you start thinking that maybe that your poetry is sort of that it wasn't a really important poem and it was just a crap poem and in just because this one's all right, but it does end a little bit, start going off on one. It starts, it starts kind of, you know, that it, it, but I tend to find that with some of them, if they're funny or something, you can just sort of subvert it with the ridiculous and you become so sort of rarefied in your ridiculousness. Like with this poem, he's looking in an old cassette sleeve of Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, which is, a really bad film that Stallone did and you start looking for boogie references because you think that Stallone got his name from Sly and the Family Stone so maybe he would have put a bit in the soundtrack about Sly and the Family Stone because he got it from there so it's just 
you know, when you go down the wormhole and you become super sort of just, it becomes ridiculous. And that can be a way of tying up a poem, I suppose. But before it, it's a bit more sort of, before it was almost a bit like came with kind of like quite a sort of flourish. And I find that too much now and you sort of want them to be open-ended. But maybe that's just where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, that uh, interesting goes to some unexpected places. Uh, mm. This is one of a number of poems you have in the first half of the collection about celebrities. Um, mm. What's interesting you about writing about these celebrities? I think there's something about like Brad Pitt, for example, that is just so sort of, well, risible, obviously, deridable, horrible. But I don't think, I don't know, I think that with someone like those guys, there's no element of like purging, I suppose, that goes on a bit and that you can kind of purge any of your sort of bubbling up kind of also purging, I suppose, in sense of kind of if you're too bored or if you're sort of angry at people who sort of are, are sort of narcissistic and vain or slightly sort of in a sense, because you can use different people to inspire yourself not just yourself and I had met a couple of people who were just sort of a little bit overprotective of their sensitivity and anyway so these people kind of there's a sense of exciting of wanting to be a movie star you know you know sometimes you're like actually what would it be like and you're like wow I wish I had a chef who would cook me a buffet every morning and that kind of thing which is I suppose you sort of make these scenarios and their own grandeur, the grandeur of the life of these people can be in itself a bit like Frederick Seidel when he talks about his kind of own life. You know, I think there's a sense of kind of narcissism or that we all have. And he writes these poems, which I think he kind of gratifies other people's kind of morbid curiosity as the kind of the high life and sort of shines a mirror to us. I don't really know that if that's true because it's quite difficult to talk about these things because it's all a bit vague but I think I suppose I, I just really wanted to write a light poem as well so I find that my with my humour I think when you write poems with a sense of humour it can be quite good for the form because it, very good for the form because it makes it all float a bit more and you have more of a kind of levity I find I have more of a kind of levity and hover with the sort of humour and I kind of want to go back to it actually. I think that uh, brings us to your writing exercise. Uh, I believe you have a, a writing exercise about uh, using persona. So choosing the person that you like the most is um, really important in writing a persona. If you listen to what I just said it's quite good it's, it's quite crucial as to you know what I mean but I think in terms of persona, it's quite good to choose someone who there's a little bit of them that you suspect or that people suspect that isn't quite uh, that, that, that that isn't that isn't quite resolved hasn't been quite resolved in the public's head if he's famous or or she or the privates you know your private things. So, for example, who could you pick as an example? You could pick Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, he's he's a really rich character, you know, this guy. 
you know, he committed suicide, I think. He he had addiction problems. But, you know, so if you if you want to talk about addiction or sensitivity, which leads to addiction, you can talk about that. I don't actually know a lot of his films. I'm not a massive film buff, but, you know, he was in Capote. And then he also played uh, Freddy in The Times of Mr. Ripley. You know, as a person, everyone knows what the sort of general perception of Philip Seymour Hoffman is, which is a sort of slightly tortured soul who would also play these kind of, you know, whatever, divisive. He's a divisive figure. He would also play kind of, you know, people who were, you weren't quite sure about them, their honesty or their, you know, they, were they laughing at you the whole time? You know, what's the, what's, there's a bit of ambiguity as to how he sees you as well. So it's a nice start. And then you could just sort of, you could start it with some sort of like a film, filmic kind of image of him like, you know, maybe from the funeral or something or some scene in the film. But yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you could choose. You could choose Philip Seymour Hoffman. Someone else you could choose maybe would be like O.J. Simpson. You know, like he's squeaky clean on screen, but, you know, he's obviously kind of walking free now. And he is actually quite funny because he was arrested for trying to steal some some awards that he'd won playing American football. So this is after having starred in how many films, uh, Hot Shots and all that. Um, yeah. yeah, those are some uh, good examples. So um, you've got your uh, person, someone of a bit of a, an ambiguous character. And how would you begin to develop that? Well, the best thing to do in those situations is to get caught with a humour. So you've got the humour which is great. And uh, in terms of your process, you're not that poem, you know? Um, so in terms of your process, you've got, you've got, you've, you've got the humor. And once you've got the humor, you just kind of, you know, channeling, isn't it? You know, so you think about, you maybe watch an OJ Simpson film or watch bits of it, you know, and if it's humor or if he's got a serious part or anything that will, just sort of get your funny bone. And when I say funny bone, just something that will give you a twinge. A twinge of, that's funny, you know, like, isn't that funny that I'm watching a murderer or something? Or not so much that, but something that just is a bit of a contradiction. Something that would just, and also something that kind of would look good on the page, something that looks stylish or some kind of like outfit or maybe something nice. But you, you watch a bit of material to do with him I tend to find that Wikipedia pages can be quite good just for facts without getting too sort of much into it because they're often very generous, the Wikipedia pages. But sometimes it's good to watch a bit of action. But I suppose you've got to channel him, so you've got to kind of think as he thinks. And, and sometimes your inner voice suddenly starts, from all the sort of hard work that you're doing about this guy, your inner voice starts generating or just starts kind of bubbling up or just start springing up into life. And um, sometimes you, because the important thing isn't so much the, the imagery, but it's how you say it, because you're talking like him, like a, you know, let's say it's O.J. Simpson, like an American for one, and using, you know, prepackaged American expressions. And, you know, you've got to learn how he talks. Is he a kind of guy from the streets? Is he a kind of, you know, or is he a kind of like to the man of born 
you know, Afro-American or however he is, you know. Yeah, it sounds right. like a good exercise for um, exercising your curiosity. And uh, I can imagine that the internet is a good tool for that because it can just oh. lead from one thing to another and sort of gather lots yeah. of uh, different yeah. things. Well, uh, I'll have a go at it before I post this podcast and then I'll be able to share what I've written and, you know, how I approached it. But yeah, Uh, yeah. it's it's an interesting idea and lots of different ways to go with it and lots of very different poems that could come out of it. So I hope um, people listening have a go and share their work and, uh, you know, see uh, both the hopefully a variety of different people and a variety of different poems. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, we should talk a bit more about the book. Um, It's a very interesting book. In fact, it it isn't just a book, it's also a video player. Um, Can you tell us a bit about that? Okay, well, the the way I got the idea was that um, I always wanted to have something that was a bit immediate that just sort of somehow kind of like held the book up in front of someone and just said, here I am. And I also, you know, grew up around books and I was always a bit sort of anti-books in a way because they would take the place of attention because my parents would be reading books and they wouldn't be, or my my dad would be. My mum was better. She's looking after us. So I suppose my dad would be very much a bit pretentious, I used to think. But the other idea I had, so I sort of wanted to create a sort of anti-book in a way, I suppose. And then uh, the other thing was that with my first book, I had this idea of creating a kind of music coming out of the book. And uh, it's it, it was a sort of, you press a button and it played 40 seconds of music, 40 seconds of sort of emceeing from the Jungle Pirate Radio, which was good. And it wasn't just a cheap trick to get the attention of kind of people, but there was something there and it was obviously something to create more than a book and something that just sort of had that immediacy that went straight to the jugular. I suppose it didn't really do that, but the the second book, I realised that the people who did, the company that did this audio chip also did video books. So I sort of, I approached them and I approached people to fund it and in the end we got it done. And for a few videos of your poems that people can watch, um, how did you get the videos done? We've got four videos in the book and one that's connected to the project. But um, so I've got a, a friend who's he's got Ivor Wigan and he um, sort of someone I've respected for a long time. And uh, he's done photography series connected to sort of dancehall, Jamaican music, reggae, dancehall kind of thing. And I've always had a huge fascination with it. So I was immediately drawn to him. I think I interviewed him actually for a website. And as a result, I sort of managed to suck up to him enough that he would read my poetry. And he liked my poetry quite a lot. So that was a really good connection we had. And then I collaborated with him and he was willing to do this video, two videos with us. So that's awesome. And then he basically kind of did a video about these two videos, which he's only just recently begun. But he's a genius, Ivor Wigan. He's got a great touch. And I was so honoured and touched to have him involved in it. And he's also got a video. He's got a, a photo that he's, he's put in the book, 
as a sort of collaboration. And then Fede, who's my cousin, who lives in Argentina, he did the two other videos, the funny, humorous one, and then the, the one about the boxer, Bonson. And uh, he collaborated with me, and he basically uh, is a great guy as well. And he's the godfather to my daughter. And, you know, we're just kind of cousins and mates. Great collaborative efforts. The book, it's in two sections, uh, Guest List and Stragglers. Where did that concept come from? Well, first I wanted to call it Guest List. So this is the the, the cover, and th- that sort of mask was supposed to be the kind of... It's supposed to be... The original cover was different kind of heads and a crowd a crowd forming, and that was the Guest List. So what I thought was to do the, the persona at the beginning, uh, the first section of the book. And so to have these kind of different characters who are fleshed out as I've long-windedly gone on about. And then, and it's called Guest List because it's a kind of celebrity guest list. You imagine a party and then you have, you know, who's on the guest list? Brad Pitt, Frida Kahlo. It's a bit like, you know, imaginary dinner party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one was Stragglers and that's the people who haven't, been on the guest list who are sort of think, are thinking about letting them in. I suppose these ones are sort of ones that, they're ones that kind of come from a slightly sort of darker place. Maybe they're people who sort of a bit marginalised or, you know, and it comes from how I feel sometimes, I suppose I'm feeling a bit sort of, I tend to kind of go somewhere kind of quite marginalised when I'm feeling a bit low or I'm feeling a bit nostalgic. or So I sort of, I write about marginalised figures or... I write about bad moments or, you know, mental health and and you wouldn't necessarily see them at a party, you know. That's the kind of concept. I have thought quite a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds almost like uh, two collections that complement each other. Well, it's very nice. They're a very nice thing to say. Thank you. Um, how long did it take to write? There's a lot that's been taken out of it. So I suppose you could say that's quality control, but... I think I've just evolved because my daughter was born in 2017 and that was when my last collection came out and I had a lot of time dealing with fatherhood and and stuff and I was also working on different stuff and I still do so I suppose that the poems come from yeah they all come from postpartum so it's like five years to be honest but with a lot of hedge cutting and trimming and Mm you know, sort of taking essays out and stuff. So has uh, fatherhood changed you as a poet? That's a very good question. I'm sure lots of people have, I don't know. I I think it's definitely made me more um, rigorous. I think before there was a lack of sort of, uh, lack of uh, velocity. I don't know velocity, but I, I think I was definitely not as urgent as I am But now. But I think the other thing is that I, I think it teaches you to be more tender because before I would sort of, I would sort of just want to write about me and the old days and be nostalgic and sort of slightly sort of raggedy and write about sort of addiction and stuff like that, which is not necessarily something I was completely writing about, but it came up and sort of, you know, things that were a bit tortured. And then now, like, the tenderness tends to kind of be the more successful stuff, which is great. Because you write about your daughter, you write about things that's kind of just like things I write about her, I find a lot better 
and people, certainly my family like it more, but I think that there tends to be a kind of um, gentle thread, which is what is very popular in poetry at the moment. And I think that I could do better, I could do well to do that, just be a bit more sort of have a gentle thread and generally bringing together poetry in terms of the, the tenderness. But then there's a rebellious aspect as well, so you don't necessarily want to toe the line of whoever, you know. The book is coming out later this month. What's the reaction been so far from people who've seen it, read it? The reaction has been really uh, positive. Uh, my mother said it said I should send it out with some instructions, which I endeavoured to do. People thinking that the first four poems are the best, or the first two poems, is my opinion. But And then some people uh, saying that the video is really cool, and it's like really... It's a kind of nice um, reaction because I think I think people quite like the video aspect because it comes at the front, it's a big thing, and people are on their phones a lot. But I think the reaction, we haven't had a huge amount of people reading it yet, but so far it's because um, it hasn't come out yet. But I'm excited about it, and I, I, it's really I'm really happy about how it's come out so far because it's just like having a baby again. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, um, we uh, started with a poem from the uh, first half of the book. Would you like to finish with something from the second section? Yeah, sure. Okay, I've got this poem here. It's called Translation. Translation. The water lilies at Giverny. The colours are wonderful. That colour of five pounds in the trees. Flaubertian compendium about the art of putting something down after picking it up. Open sesame, that dawn was something rotten, like varicose veins. The incense was rising in fine lines like vinyl independencies. The man with the fool's gold strap, spinning it over his hand like a drumstick, letting it off into the night sky like at a vigil. God is snaking his hips like the lazy ocean, loves to sway, to keep clear of the stray ricochet. He's eating soursats and callaloo in Jamaica, doing beautiful abstract oils in fluo paint. It's like a gay sauna there, Marshall Street one in Soho. He's waving at me with his little pinky from a yacht in Montego Bay, the filigreed, coil-like, weave of the dollar dollar bill yeah money splends in coming out to grimace like a murderer disguised as a servant who only you know is there he takes a firm line on the nose of his 45 mil dum-dums triple crossing them gangland call them black talons she's got a fondness for candelabras Demure in chassacour, pink, tara tara. He had no recognition for squat. He had no recognition for zippity doodah. They were scheming for the cave that was behind the waterfall, hauled themselves through the water when the rains had gone, ransacked the tube of the Peruvian Inca, gold bullion worth two. The guy who left it there were just chilling was an explorer had died 
but left a parrot, kept telling everyone where it was. The subconscious mind, the finagling of the subconscious to affect and change the future. Chat, 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 chatting all that gas with his head up his arse, cranking himself off, rimming his balloon knot until he floats out up out of the black hole in the ozone layer. One day I'm going to gaslight that gump and feel the misery of time as pain follows pain and we can't look each other in the eye no more. Dark as I pluck the feathers from your skin, how you going to win without no sin? The ruins in Kabul, like on curling whole families, woke up. They packed down visitors to the all-new convention centre, protected by the power of Allah, mighty Allah, which houses the Rosetta Stone in Egyptian and Greek. It's sleek, dark, grey, spickless and span to translate languages to languages. But the powerful force is the convention centre's newness and its goodness, protected by the power of Allah, mighty Allah. An opium field glitters nearby for remembrance of the trauma. Back home, a veteran écrit says cervelle on the wall with a rusty green strap. Click, the gun fires out. A flag that says Vang, the tag of the best graffiti writer that Cheney Walk ever saw. That was Miguel Cullen on Poetry Non-Stop. His new book and video player Hologram is available now via his website miguelcullen.com. You can find that and other information on the blog poetrynonstop.com. To finish, I'd like to share my response to Miguel's persona writing exercise. Firstly, I explored a few different people before I wrote my poem, so don't feel you have to go with your first idea. Then, like Miguel suggested, I read about them, watched video clips and just wrote down facts, quotes and anything else of interest that I found related to this person. I think when you've done that a few times, you'll have material for a poem. Even if you don't write about the persona, you might be inspired by one aspect or episode of your person's life, or you might relate some of their experience to your life in some way, so feel free to go wherever the prompt takes you. I ended up basing my poem on Tommy Wasso an actor, writer, director best known for his film The Room. This is regarded as one of the worst films ever made. I felt he fit in well with what Miguel was saying because he's become quite infamous for this terrible film, but there's a lot we don't know about him, his age, nationality and how he made his money, including the six million he spent making The Room. I've called it Tommy because it's not literally about him, but it's a kind of word collage drawn from what I've read and watched about him. So this is Tommy. I was born from my mother's hip in 1897, raised in Poland, imprisoned in Strasbourg. I escaped to the USA and made my fortune in leather jackets, organised crime and real estate. I drive a Mercedes now, buy a dozen red roses every day. Sex is best on a spiral stairway, 
I've faced death at the end of a broken steering wheel and a fake revolver. I laugh at my disasters. Cost of a broken heart, six million dollars, shot in HD and 35mm. But forgive me, I haven't said hi. Thank you for coming to the audition. Half my casts quit, they just don't care. Step onto my set for a shoot you won't forget. We're going for take 20. Now, what were my lines again? So I hope you have fun with that and come up with something interesting that you can share. Please send poems via poetrynonstop.com as always. Thank you for listening and until next time, keep writing.